On this episode of Content Sessions, we talked to Armin Faraji about NodeApp. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Thanks for having me, bro. Appreciate I'm it. I'm glad we got to do it finally. I know you're not in the city regularly, so. Yeah, we're, we're based in Markham. Um, but uh, this is cool, man. Like, I haven't done a... I did a podcast once, mm. uh, a couple weeks ago, actually. But nice. that was my this is my second podcast appearance, you could say. There you go. Yeah. It's fun. It's interesting. It's like, uh, I've done... I've done... I've only actually been on three or... Two or three other ones. Okay. Other than my, my own, obviously. Um... And I just find like the direction of them is always like some people have like fixed questions. Some people it's open. You just kind of go in like I was worried about it, like nervous at first. Yep. Then you go in, you're like, oh, you're just going to ask me about my business. Like, I know I know everything about my business. That's fucking easy. Nice. Right? <laughs> so. so are you used to being on camera or is this like uh... Uh, just like the last six months? Oh, really? OK. Yeah, I just started it from out of nowhere. It's cool. mostly because I can't write. What, it, what do you mean? Like I'm a very poor writer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I knew I needed to put out content. And so I did this because I can't write for shit. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Like if you, if I, I've got some like longer form blog pieces and stuff and they're all ghostwritten. I don't write any words for the internet. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So, yeah. Well, you manage your social, right? Yes. So you write, you write some captions. I write, but you can tell it's like, like a six year old writing it. <laughs> anyway, tell me about the business. Um, okay. So, uh, we, we've, uh, my, my co-founders and I, we, we well, previous to, to Node, actually, probably give you some background about myself. Yeah. I used to run a social agency called Growth Group. Okay. And um, we manage social media accounts for small businesses as well as a lot of national brands. Uh, and, and through my experience working with these businesses, we realized that a lot of companies were interested in working with more influencers and sourcing user-generated content from Instagram. Um, this was about two years ago. Mm. And originally we actually used to create influencer collaborations um kind of manually uh with like the same way a lot of agencies now do where they just contact, reaching out reaching out yeah negotiating it and yeah exactly Got through it. through instagram dms or, or email or sms and <clears throat> just over time we realized that you know there's a, a clear gap in this market and, and we could probably aggregate all these conversations through a platform mm-hmm. um so i teamed up with a couple friends um we started interviewing customers talking to different influencers uh and eventually we, we created some mock-ups um and developed that into an app which we launched last october as the node app yep um and what the node app does is it's basically a marketplace where brands can post their products or services um, and influencers could redeem these items and basically enjoy them for free in exchange for creating a post, uh, which features that product or that service on the influencer's Instagram page. Awesome. Got it. And we'll talk, we'll dig into some of the logistics of it, but kind of going back to the agency side, how much did you kind of grow that out before? Like, did you, was it kind of still really small and then you kind of pivoted from that or how, how did that kind of transition? That, that's a great question, actually. Um, so, I mean, I was about a, a probably 18 months or a year and a half into that. And we, I think we had about 30 clients at that point um, that we were creating social media content for spe- specifically on Instagram. Okay. And then it, it was a, it was kind of a slow transition because one of my first employees that I hired, Tiffany, uh, my goal was to basically put her at the helm of that business and, and have it still operating. Um, so it, it took about probably, I would say six to eight months for me to, get Tiffany really trained and also like oriented, ori- orient, I don't even know if that's a word, orientated. Oriented, yeah. <laughs> o- orient. 
I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me about words, man. I'm, I'm, I'm out on that shit. <laughs> uh, but, but basically to give yeah. her an orientation right. on, on the, the full logistics and managing that business. Um, and, and now she's running that company. She's doing a fantastic job. And that kind of opened up the, the opportunity and also the time for me to focus on Node. Um, so in short, I guess like it was a slow transition, but it took about probably almost a year for me to make that full transition from that business Got to... It. Uh, what we're doing at Node now. Got it. And so, do you still own that business? And then you just basically have the CEO for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'd consider myself the CEO of that business. I think sure. T- Tiffany runs the show there. Got it. Um, so you just own the thing. It, <laughs> yeah. Um, although, like initially, we kind of leveraged that that business and also that clientele in order to build Node. Yeah. Um, as a way to get feedback from customers in terms of figuring out, you know, if there's an appetite for what we're building and, and then also having our first customers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, uh, our initial user base was from the, the contacts and also the clients that we built at Growth Group. Got it, got it. And did you start Growth Group yourself or was that with partners? Uh, <laughs> so initially it was it was with partners and then I think... It was actually with one of my best friends, and in the first week we had a falling out, (laughs) (laughs) and um, and so I I basically ran that myself. It was actually in my last year of university as well. Mm. I I went to Ryerson, a few blocks down from here, actually. Yeah, yeah. What did you What did you go there for? Um, I studied retail management. Okay. Um, cool program. It was really unique, and and I, I personally wanted to get into supply chain. Um, but in my last year, I actually picked up a job as an e-commerce manager for a jewelry company called Viva. Um, okay. They're, they're like, they're a pretty big brand actually. They have, I think 50 locations across Canada. Yeah. Um, but my job there was to set up their whole online business. I, I knew not, I didn't really know much about e-commerce and digital right. marketing. I, I kind of just winged the interview. Yep. I got the job, <laughs> got the job and, and kind of learned on the job. Um, it was a great experience, great company. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through my experience there and also hiring other agencies, um, I was able to create a, a business model and also just a business plan for growth group, which I, I kind of started while I was working there. And then um, when I when I quit, I just went full time into my agency business. Got it. All right. That's a good. Yeah, that's a good. That was a good pivot. <laughs> I, li- I like it. And well, it's, it's funny, actually, a lot of people coming out of school want to start their own thing. And I've actually seen it work better kind of like going into something else and like let letting someone pay you to learn the like the actual logistics. Because one thing I found in talking to a lot of students, recent graduates who like we interview sometimes for positions with us is that the hands on experience is what a small, small company needs. And they don't they're not getting a lot of that in the programs. So it makes it really challenging to. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I wish I did work a little bit longer or with a, a, like different companies. Um, I remember what kind of the, the like the last straw for me to start my business was like I I didn't get a job at Microsoft, so I got an interview. I got two interviews at Microsoft for like an e-commerce role when they were first launching their online store in Canada. Um, didn't get the job, and I was like. Fuck it. There's another job I really want other right. than that. <laughs> and that was the catalyst. That was the that was the reason. Yeah. I was, yeah. Exactly. I'm like, you know, there's there's no other really postings that like, you know, I I'm gravitating towards and like, might as well just do my own thing at this yeah. point. <laughs> but Love in it. hindsight, I I kind of wish I got a little bit more mentorship. Um, I mean, I, I'm trying to learn a lot from my mistakes and and also 
move move fast and, and break things quickly yeah um so that we could get those kind of validated learnings got it one thing i i've been trying to i've been thinking about asking because people are curious what how did you get your first client in the old business okay so our my first client was actually the husband of one of my coworkers at viva okay so she she said oh my husband he needs to go online like we keep telling him he has to have a website and and then i was like cool like i'll, I'll do it for him like i did the viva website and then she was like okay cool and mm -hmm. got that and he's still a client and great group shout outs to waping <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah like it was it was literally through personal connections um and then i remember the first week i was out of my job i uh, i was just on the phones like cold calling yeah love that Love that. I think it's funny now you see, I don't know if you follow a lot of like the Facebook groups of different that probably, we probably play in a lot of the same spaces on the internet, but everyone like nobody wants to fucking pick up a phone now. Right. Everyone just wants to, Oh, I'm just going to post something or run a Facebook ad and they'll come through my website through the form and I'll email them and they'll email me and then they'll say yes. I'm like, no, gotta yeah. pick up the phone, man. Yep. Gotta build, build a connection. Right. Yep. So, so yeah. do you do calls? At this stage, no, but I, way back, I was door-to-door, -door, man. Okay. I literally I went door-to-door -door selling advertising. Yeah, so. same here. Yeah. Um, even with, with Node, we actually, like, I started doing door-to-door. -door. Mm. Um, in fact, I was, so the first, per, like, we just did our first sales hire, and uh, Alexa, she was going to come do door-to-door -door today, but she was swamped with a bunch of meetings that got scheduled. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, you, you really have to have that, like, one-on-one -on -one I guess interaction. Yep. Um, I think the web is is great, but eventually, especially if you're trying to sell something complex, um, like a marketing strategy, I think yeah. you're kind of doing yourself a disservice by not having that interaction with the client. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So fast forward from then, two years later, uh, you guys start Node, and so that was again that was just you, or was that with you said you you partnered with some people? Yeah. So. Um, while I was at my previous agency, I hired, um, a UX designer slash, slash researcher. Um, his name is Mackenzie. And I, I just, I said, Mackenzie, I have this idea. I don't know if it'll work, but like, I'd like to get started on some mockups. Um, we created some designs, did, um, a whole lot of customer interviews. And, um, eventually Mackenzie came on board with node <clears throat> and he was one of my co-founders. And then we created designs and we, we basically interviewed more customers. And at some point, Mackenzie said, um, hey, I, I have a friend who could develop this, actually. Mm. And so by the time he actually said that, I already outsourced the project to an agency in India. So what we did was we, de we de developed an early prototype with Mackenzie's designs through an agency. Um, costed, I think, about a few thousand bucks. Yep. Um, so not a lot, really. Uh, in the grand scheme of things. And then I use that to present it to PK, who's our current CTO, actually, okay. which was Mackenzie's friend. Um, PK liked the idea. He liked kind of the progress that we were making. Um, and he said, you know what, I'll, I'll come on board to actually manage this product. Got it. And at that point, I know a lot of companies kind of build out their, their proof of concept with an outsourced company. Did he did he break it down and rebuild it? Or did he just can, he just manage it from where it was? Uh, a little bit of both actually. Um, so, I mean, after hiring PK and then kind of launching the app and work like 
operating it for a while, we realized there was so many holes um, in the product that that agency built. Right. And so while PK was kind of working to fix bugs and, and manage that product, at the same time, he's working on completely rebuilding the app. Um, and that's actually still a work in progress. So we haven't completely finished the new version of, of the Node app. Got it. Um, and as a matter of fact, the app's only available on, on iPhone. And I mean, it's been pretty successful thus far. Awesome. Cool. And when did it, when did it like launch launch? When did you turn it on as a business? Um, so we actually, well, we registered the company technically in, in right. October, 2017. Okay. Um, and then we launched it in October, 2018. So it's, yeah, it's been, uh, about a year we'll say. It depends on how you timestamp this, sure. <laughs> this podcast, but uh, <laughs> I don't want to put exact numbers on yeah. it or, or, you know, because it depends when you post this. But yeah, we, we launched in October 2018 and um, basically from the start, we, we our initial customer base was folks from Growth Group, yep. or, which was my previous agency. Um, and uh, we've been working on it ever since on the product side and also on the business. Okay. And how are you, how is it being pitched? Cause I know, I, I, and I've seen a bunch of different, I'm going to connect an influencer with a brand. Like how are you guys positioned in the marketplace to kind of set it, set it aside? Well, one thing with us is like working in the industry. Um, we've realized that there's a, a huge problem with paying influencers specifically like paying them in cash. Sure. Um, namely the, the biggest issue that comes to mind is the actual tracking of success and KPIs, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's really like, even with any social campaign, it's really hard to track um, sales per se or ROI. And, and everyone, I think in the digital world has a different definition of ROI when it comes to social. <laughs> <No doubt. laughs> um, so that's why a lot of brands, I think, are hesitant about influencer marketing because they're used to the, the model of paying influencers. Um, and then the second thing is that when an influencer is being paid for content, um, they're not necessarily interested in that brand or product. Mm. Um, however, if they're receiving a product in kind or a service, then they're only going to engage with the brands that they're truly passionate about. And our, our whole goal is, is to create a, a bartering platform, right? Okay. Uh, it's more about bribery, not bar bartery. Yep. Is that a word? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's more about bartery, right. not bribery. Sorry. Um, and so with us, it's, it's a really simple, easy use platform where you simply post the product and influencers redeem it. And um, all you have to do is ship the product or, or give them a pickup location. And within seven days, you'll, you'll have a post. Okay. And how, how has the interaction been so far with the brands to the influencers? Uh, do, you, do you ever get like, like, hey, we sent this and they didn't fucking post something? Like, do you, do you get a, like, how it, has it been? We, we get it, but... Um, it hasn't been an issue ever, actually, which is a bit surprising. Um, reason being is like we have influencers on our team. Like one of my first hires, Vanessa, she's actually an influencer. She's a user of the app. Um, several of our hires are have been actually from influencers. So we're very in tune with how kind of the behavior, right? And right. Um, we give influencers a lot of leeway when it comes to creating content. We don't micromanage them. And for that reason, they understand that there's a they have a really open canvas when it comes to producing content for brands. Um, on top of that, if you want to get more technical, like the app is actually connected to an influencer's account, so you have to sign in through Instagram. Right. And so if you don't follow our guidelines or refuse to post, we get technically suspend or ban the account. Got it. Um, and like 
one thing with the platform is like we're we're not an enterprise solution, right? We're we're not we're not like HubSpot that that gives you this grand you know CRM tool that that has like ten tons of features, right? right. Um, our goal is simply to democratize influencer marketing by allowing you to have a marketplace to exchange product for content, right? Um, and for that reason, influencers are like they. They the, the the platform is very easy to use. They're not micromanaged in that sense, like I like I already uh, mentioned. But um, they understand the value of the volume of con of of brands that we have. Right. And same with on the brand side, our, our strength comes in in numbers, um, and that also kind of leads back into the way that we differentiate ourselves is by offering a subscription pricing as opposed to transactional, where you're you're paying for every piece of content. Yeah. Um, we, we were able to attract brands to our, our platform because our subscription is between one to 200 bucks, which is like a drop in the bucket for the amount of content that you produce. And on the influencer side, there's all these brands that you have to collaborate with. So if you get cut off from that, it, it, it's shitty. Right, right. <laughs> and so who are you monetizing from, from both sides? Uh, no, so influencers, it's, it's completely free to join. Okay. I, I probably should have clarified. It's um, okay. Yeah, it's, it's completely free to join um, as long as like, you sign in with your Instagram account into the app. It takes about 24 hours to get approved. Um, when you sign in, we have basically access to some of the analytics. We could make sure that your followers are local or they're at least real. Got it. Um, our focus is Canadian businesses right now um, or Canadian, the Canadian market per se. So mm -hmm. we make sure that their followers are Canadian, um, their engagement matches their audience size sure make sure um, making sure and to clarify I, I understand that but that's to make sure that they haven't like purchased followers exactly yeah um like i think everyone has a certain percentage of, of bots or fake followers or, or ghost followers whatever you want to call them mm. but we have a threshold um we want to make sure that the influencers have amassed the real audience and then um, our team member, Vanessa, actually goes through each account to make sure that the, the content quality is up to par. Because um, essentially what we're doing is, is creating a content platform for agencies and also brands to use really great content and, and user-generated content for their own feeds. Got it. Okay. And do you have a, th a minimum threshold of followership for an influencer to join? Yep. Yep. Um, so initially it was 1,500, and then we increased it to 2,000 followers. Mm -hmm. Um, although our, our goal actually is to remove the whole follower requirement altogether and okay. we're, we're creating our own metric that will consider engagement and also the follower, the amount of followers and as well as other statistics, uh, such as their engagement on other platforms. Got it. So that we could have like really, a, uh, an influencer rating that we put forth and, and influencers have to meet. Got it. And if you have have you had any kind of backlash, not backlash, but, but people, uh, having an issue with the fact that the, the likes aren't showing up. It's just saying this person and others. Does anybody complain about that? Do you guys you getting anything back from that? Um, people bring it, bring it up. It's, it's, mm. it's always a question. It's like oftentimes a question in terms of like, how do we track engagement? Um, luckily you could still see that engagement on the desktop app. We're working on actually aggregating those, that, that data, although it's a little tricky because Instagram has to approve everything. Right. Um, and they change their mind often. Yeah, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Um, it, it's tricky because like we've actually had to rebuild the app, like yeah. make tweaks because it, it didn't meet their guidelines or whatever. 
Um, and so basically at every step of, of the product development process, we have to make sure that our app follows Instagram's developer guidelines. Yep. In terms of the follower and the engagement stuff, um, it hasn't been a big issue. And, and that goes back to not being transactional. So in the end of the day, I mean, regardless of whether it shows how many followers or not, you're getting beautiful content. Um, and you'll see a ton of likes and comments mm. if you check on the desktop app. Yeah. And how do you guys treat, just because we've done some influencer stuff, so I'm curious about it for us. Yep. Uh, how do you treat the content? So I make a post on my wall mm-hmm. or a story, I guess, depending on how the agreement goes together. Uh, well, let's start there. Is it is it a post? Is it a story? Is that negotiable? So the post, it has to be a post. Okay. Um, post has to be shared within seven days of receiving the item. Okay. Stories are optional and brands could actually specify that. So when brands create these campaigns, um, they have a, a little brief that they could write in terms of what kind of content they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and they could include stories and even reviews in there. Got it. And then does the brand have the right to like grab that picture and do you use it for other stuff or? Y- yeah. So the technically the the brand like through the app the brand actually gets a high quality copy of that image oh good okay yeah um although although the influencer has technically released rights to that image um we tell all of our brands that they should credit influencers yeah because that's just the right thing to do (laughs) sure yeah um and we also like with the app it, it all the, the brands can see all the influencers they've interacted with. They could also message them. And we, t- we encourage brands to work with influencers individually as well. Right. Um, and it, like a lot of brands actually request like the DSLR copy or the unedited copy of the images. And uh, at that point, it's, it's really up to the influencer with, if they want to charge a fee or, or how they want to go about it. Got it. Okay. And where, what verticals have you seen the best success in terms of like who's signed, who from the, not, well, actually from both sides, from the business side, who are the businesses that are coming and knocking at the door? So in, initially we launched our platform for restaurants. Okay. Um, that's the, the main reason is because we, we saw that. And also the statistics say that restaurant content is the most shared on Instagram. Makes sense. Food so, porn. Yeah. Food mm-hmm. porn is, is really what, takes up the majority of influencer content when it comes to Instagram. Um, and then myself, like with my previous agency, the majority of our clients were food and beverage brands and restaurants. But as w- with note, our, our goal is to scale and, and again, have that volume and it's increasingly difficult to get in touch with restaurant owners. Um, <laughs> they get a lot of knocks on the door. <laughs> they get a lot, a lot of knocks on the door. And, and on top of that, like, Restaurants is is a unique business because the people who own those businesses are also very involved in the operations. So you'll see a lot of restaurant owners that also work at the restaurants Mm -hmm. and then they don't have time to take calls and also evaluate new ways to market and so forth. Yeah. Um, So we we generally see the best success, like the the best response from larger brands that actually have a dedicated marketing manager. Got it. Um, But I mean, in the past, I think three months, we've pivoted kind of a, not away from restaurants. We still work a lot with, with food and beverage businesses, but we also work with a lot of e-commerce brands, um, cosmetics, uh, CPG is, is really popular. So we're, we're still kind of at that startup phase of like kind of iterating and, and learning more about our customers and, and really who that target user is. Got it. And so did, regardless of the brand, when they want to come on, I, I pay a subscription of 200 bucks or yep. whatever it is. Yeah. A month. 
Yeah, so it's it's one to, like it's one thirty five a month if you sign up for the year. Got it. Um, and then it's it's two hundred bucks month to month, and then we give startups and, and new businesses a discount as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, just because we're a startup and and we like we like to support new businesses and, and young and like entrepreneurs in general. Um, and then we also work with like we're just starting to work with agencies now as well, where where we give them a discount, um, so that they can create an influencer package and also upsell to their clients. Got it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That will probably be a big driver because a lot of the bigger brands are already using an agency. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, you'd be surprised though because a- agencies are very reluctant. Mm. Um, <laughs> to give up margin on stuff. Well, to give up margin is one thing, but mm. also to work with startups in general. Um, I think a lot of agencies see us as this tool or this platform that's cannibalizing their business. Right. Um, and that's exactly what we don't want to be. And that's not what we're, what our goal is. Our, our goal is to work with great agencies and great marketers so that we could help them expedite some of these campaigns. Um, and, and even like people that we, we talked to a lot of potential investors and, uh, we work out of a startup incubator. There's a lot of advisors and they generally tell us to stay away from agencies and, and white labeling. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Coming from an agency background, I, I mean, I see the value and, and the agencies that we do work with, we have a great relationship with. So it's something that we want to continue to pursue. Got it. Got it. And so do you guys have any direct competitors that, you, that you're kind of thinking about that you're worried about that, like that are doing the exact same way? Um, I don't think because I haven't seen yeah. it. I haven't seen it like this yet. So that's why I was curious. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not going to name them because hey, <laughs> I don't want to give them too much. That's fine. But no, to be honest with you, uh, no one's doing it like us. Uh, there's a lot of marketplaces out there. I think if you even Google uh, influencer marketplace, you'll find a, a plethora of options, Yeah, which is completely cool because I, I think our, our competition kind of fuels the education and the knowledge in the space, which yeah. essentially, I mean, brings clients back to us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of marketplaces that have like kind of bidding programs where you could bid on influencers and essentially it's a transactional tool. Mm. Um, and that's something we're, we're steering far away from. So in terms of having something mobile, um, and also as user friendly and, and easy to implement, uh, I haven't seen anything as of yet. Um, there's a lot of agencies that kind of pose as softwares or tools, but in the end right. of the day, there's, there's a guy at the, in the back doing like, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, <bet>. like, <laughs> I don't doubt that at all. Yeah. And, and that's also why that's part of the reason we could keep our prices and, and our subscription costs so low is because we really do democratize the medium and, and give influencers, um, and brands that platform to actually manage their own collaborations. I like it. I like it a lot. It's super smart. Thanks dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so now, so now it's opened up. You're trying to get, uh, you're trying to get kind of brands from every which vertical because there's a lot of areas that it makes sense to expand into. Um, do you have something that that you're specifically focused on, or I guess e-commerce is kind of a because there's a wide range of stuff. It's just like whatever. And I guess from the influencer's perspective, it can attract a wider birth of influencer because hey, if I like this and and that it, like there's no harm in having different stuff on there i guess yeah it probably benefits it the i think one th- like something that actually fueled our growth is working with brick and mortar businesses um something we have in our app is a guesting function where influencers could take friends with them mm-hmm. to restaurants 
Um, and I think that is what fuels the growth on the influencer side because influencers are telling their friends and they're telling their influencer friends and they're going out in groups. Mm. Uh, and, and for that reason, we don't ever, we have never marketed to influencers. Influencers join through word of mouth. Got it. Yeah. Um, and then on the e-commerce side, we're, we're still literally figuring out what brands are, are the best fit. Got it. Um, we've seen some really cool things with brands like having affiliate links, um, kind of integrating affiliate programs and, and tracking sales using even coupon codes. And so that's been really cool and, and seeing actual like direct ROI from the program. But in, in terms of finding really a, 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 the best fit, we're, we're not there yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, like as a matter of fact, we're still like looking at even working with like other software companies or apps um, to kind of push their program or to bring them more users through the app. But um, how do you mean? So, like, for instance, if let's say you, you release an app for um, healthy living. You're a pretty healthy dude. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> so let's say you release, a, you release a healthy living app and then you mm. want to get some early users. Then you could post that on Node and mm. reimburse influencers with, like, an Amazon card. Okay. I, yeah, I've, I've got an app coming up. Really? I've got a product coming Sweet. within the next like six weeks. So okay. We'll talk about that off camera. I'm not ready to announce it yet. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's interesting though. Yeah, because I'm, I'm like right now, I'm in the process of building the marketing plan. I'm like, okay, product hunt. I've got like my list of people to hit up. Um, I'm probably going to email like 50,000 businesses in the U.S., in the first month and just like see if I can get people that way. Yep. But uh, yeah, that's, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Or, or like we're, we're another really good fit for us is like food ordering apps. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're in the talks with, the, I don't want to name them, but we're in talks with a few like of the food ordering apps and like it's, it's a really natural fit because we've already kind of established uh, an early user base of, of food bloggers and influencers mm-hmm. in that space. And so if, food ordering app wants to put a $20 credit or gift card right. on our app, then it, it would just feed into their content. Yeah. Shit. My brain's just wired on what I'm doing now because <laughs> it's actually something that they influencers would probably want to use and I could give a subscription to it. Okay. we got to talk after. Yeah. Uh, cool. <laughs> uh, see, I was talking about sidetracked. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I really like that. That's a really interesting way to where it's not a physical product. That makes a ton of sense. Very smart. Yeah, Very we're, smart. We're, we're still figuring it out, yeah. um, like the logistics, but it's, it follows the same workflow and process, really. Sweet. And so um, what are your kind of current marketing strategies? Like what, I mean, obviously there's, I ask everyone and the best is always the word of mouth, of course. But are you guys doing anything? Are you guys putting out content? Are you guys running some ads somewhere? Like where, how are you doing? Yeah, um, we do influencer marketing. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Uh, no, but but yeah. seriously, I mean, I think the the, the biggest driver of, of traffic and also establishing our credibility is through our influencers. Yeah, um, influencers regularly post from different venues and different products, and they tag Node. Um, we reshare that content. Other brands see Node, um, so we, we do get a lot of inbound traffic from influencers. And then every every one or two months, we also do our own influencer campaigns mm-hmm. where we actually pay a handful of influencers that we really like on the app uh, between I would say 25 to $50 uh, to post some content and some stories about node. Um, and, and more than anything, that's actually just for content for us. Cause mm-hmm. we, we love to get like beautiful flat lays of yep. our app next to some product sure, showing yeah. you like the login screen. Um, th- that's one way. Uh, like a lot of it is, is word of mouth. Um, 
we we do like a lot of not a lot but we, we do we have ads running on a daily basis on facebook instagram um how are you targeting those just i just because I, I just had a yeah. couple ideas pop into my head so one way is like we have a, a few ad groups um we have one for like business page admins yep um which is okay we have one for uh we have we do remarketing like people who visit the website yep and then the most i think effective or the one that we've gotten the most leads or even traffic from is is a lookalike audience of our hubspot list yeah um and then i I think like well one of the challenges actually we've had is is getting like with with that Indian agency that we work with, going back to, mm. is actually getting our Facebook pixel on our app. Oh, okay. Yeah, because mm. we want to look like the actual customers. Use, yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, we haven't been able to do that as of yet. That's that's kind of my next objective um, from a marketing perspective. Um, yeah, like that. That's pretty much the gist of of our ad strategy when it comes to social. Yeah. Um, Sorry. No, no. Yeah. One thing you might want to try. I'm doing this with a couple of different clients right now. So have you ever heard of a website called built with? Sounds. Oh yeah. You uh, plug in. So you plug in a URL and it tells you the tech stack of a website. So one thing that we've done is, so these guys, I hope they never hear this podcast because (laughs) they're sitting on a fucking gold mine and they have no idea what they're doing with it. So you can buy a $1,000 a month plan. Okay. You can go in and scrape out unlimited data and then just turn it off after one month. Oh, There's shit. no lock-in. So you just, so what I've done and I've done, the, I've used this same strategy for like five or six different things because it's relevant. So you can go in and if they, so they have to have a technology on their website that makes it relevant. So you'd have to like plan that a little bit. But a couple things is like, if I have a website that's built on Shopify or Magento or WooCommerce, right? Then I've got that person. Not only can you do that. So I, instead of just putting in the, the website, you can put in the technology and it's like, cool, we have 78,000 websites that are using it. So I will use Shopify and then I'll layer people that are paying at least a hundred dollars or more on apps on their Shopify store that are active Shopify stores really, so that you know that they're using a, like a couple things from bold and some of the, some of that, and you know that they're investing in it and it might not just be a dead store. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's dope. So then go in and just download. So we've got, we've got a list of, it's gotta be 150,000 emails okay. that are on web that are on e-commerce platforms that are spending a certain amount or more on the technology every month. So how'd you get the email? Does Built With give you that? Too? Built With gives it to you. So you say Shopify and it gets you the list of all the Shopify worldwide. You can say just Canada or just whatever. It comes into this massive spreadsheet of like 150,000 and it's got the URL, the emails, the socials, the person's name, really? the, the whole thing. The whole thing. So Built With scrapes the websites, gets the contact info and then sells it back mm-hmm. to you. That's dope. So you can buy like a subscription to it. Yeah. Again, plan which ones you want, get all that data set, dump it out, and then you can put that as a custom audience in Facebook. And it will match to Facebook users and Instagram users. As a lookalike or just as a mm-hmm. custom? Okay. Straight up person. So remarket to those people. Or just, yeah, just straight market to them. So my audience is, so I upload the Shopify one and I call the audience Shopify store owners. 
And then my ad is literally like, hey, Shopify store owners, are you looking, finding, looking to find ways to get your product out there more? We can do this marketplace. Come sign up. You can address the Shopify mm. store owner because they're on Shopify. You know that they are. Yeah, yeah. And you know that they're active and that they're, they're spending money on apps. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's a thousand bucks? A thousand bucks for the per month, but you can use unlimited, you can get unlimited searches in the first month and then just pull them out nice. and then just cancel it. Yeah, yeah. It's ludicrous. I, I've done it a couple of different times. It's perfect. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then dump those in and then you can go custom audience and then you could try lookalike. I would keep doing the lookalikes the way you're doing them though, based on the actual customer, but you could go out to net new and address the platform that they're on. Be like, yo, Shopify store owners, you're looking for a better way to get your product out there? Nice. I don't think yeah. they let you do lookalikes on uh, lists anymore. I don't know. I haven't found it to be effective because I don't know if those people are customers anyway. Right. So I, I don't use, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have tried to set that up, but then, but I think it'd be a good driver of, of new attention anyway. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think they've put a lot of uh, parameters on lookalikes yep. where they have to be actually checking out and you have to put a value on the lookalike or, right. or the value of the conversion. Um, so the lookalike audience we have from HubSpot is from like a year ago, actually. It's, mm. it's from way back and I just have it saved and it just keeps working and keeps churning out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, give that a shot. I think, yeah. I think especially from the e-commerce side and you might even find finding like what the technology is though that's relevant can be a bit challenging depending on the industry like if you knew that all of the store owners that like all the store owners were typically using this third-party service then you could look up and try and get them that way but there's a lot of stuff where there's like unlimited crossover like you can't do it by people that use paypal checkout because it's like any fucking store or restaurant like there would be no way of understanding who those people are in a meaningful way so you got to like plan out like what it is technology wise. But if you, if you have a list of like people that I'd want to go after from a marketing standpoint and go and plug each URL in and see like, maybe there's a common technology amongst the ones that you would want and then try and like grab the list from that. I like that. I'm going to mm. try that. Yeah. I just got to figure out if I'm willing to fork over a thousand bucks. Fair enough. I've never seen a, an online <laughs> any sort of SaaS program that requires a thousand except Salesforce. You can, so you can use those. They have a smaller plan. They have a two ninety nine a month one, Okay. but you can only do a lookup for two technologies within the month. So gotcha. I can use like Shopify and Magento and just start with those. The thousand dollar one is like, if I've got like 10 to 15 things that I want, I can just go in as a one-time shot. And then I have that data forever. Nice. So, I, I mean, I'm sure there's, I feel like there there has to be influencer marketing plugins on Shopify, so I could sure there is. There has to be, so I'll yeah. Look so even those. just do it based on yeah, yeah. yeah and that would even, that would be even narrower, right? Hey, are you doing influencer marketing? You want to like improve the whatever? Yeah, you could get real deep with that. In fact, you could almost just do no, no, because that plugin. I can't remember if it's like that plugin that's associated with Shopify or that plugin and it's on whatever platform it shows up on. I think it's any website that it's on, but some of them will only be specifically built for yeah, Shopify. Yeah, like if it's a it's Shopify a app, yeah, right. then but the, the thing is, I don't know if Shopify apps show on, because I've used Built With, but I don't will. know if they show, they do? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what, yeah, we've used that in the past too. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna look. But even that. just like yeah, even if you just go for a smaller plan, download it out for two different things and just like test it with your ads. Because the thing is, if you get say you get a list of fifty to seventy k, and you dump it into Facebook and it digs out twenty five thousand of those and matches them to Facebook people, like that audience has some legs. Like you can run that ad for six months before you've exhausted that audience. But if you have some good content, like if you, you know, you've got three or four pieces in the funnel and then the remarketing piece, like you might not, you might not need that many right now. Interesting. And then with this, you could also target, let's say just Canada, right? Mm -hmm. Sweet. Yeah. The list will break, break it down by, and you can go in and see, uh, how many active sites it has access to and how many historical sites it has access to or like people it has access to. And then the breakdown by country before you take the list. Gotcha. Like it shows you like 9,500 in the U S and 8,600 in Canada and then all yeah. the different places. Oh. So you can, yeah, you can understand the data without, without signing up. You can just go on the website and see what it is. Make sure there's the scope is the right people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I try that. I, yeah, I I never knew Built with did that. I thought they were just like um, find out what your competitors' websites built with. Nobody seems to know, and I I always like it always baffles me that it has an unlimited for a thousand. Like who would stay on for longer than the month? Like how the, how many? Because it what it pitches it as is like oh well if if people change or they move to different technologies I'm like yeah okay but like how many people change that's yeah. worth that much month over month especially over a month yeah yeah. So it's a little strange. I don't quite understand the business model, but it's been the same forever. It's been the same pricing for the last five years. Oh, is that right? We've been buying it over and over again. So like nice. as we as we have new needs, we'll buy like one plan, and then yeah. scrape and then get out and then join up like the next year, one for a month. And then, yeah. Dope. And so, yeah, I mean, definitely try that, the Facebook thing. And then the other thing I was thinking about which I stumbled across the other day. Uh, there's a guy called Mark Wade, okay. Dr. Mark Wade. I stumbled across him on an, another podcast. He has a uh, product that's called Virtual Summit. Okay. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Sounds like a scam. It does. <laughs> it does. The website's sketchy too, but it's actually a really interesting okay. product. And I actually found out that a friend of mine who I met in Texas started a competitive app to it. So I've already switched over to him. Hey Summit uh, <laughs> is the name of the product, Ben. I have, he's on the show on Monday. Okay. And um, anyway, it's a really interesting way to build the, t the top of the funnel with businesses that you know are maybe on the fence or maybe don't understand it. And it's a way I think to get massive content out. And I'm actually trying to plan my own right now. So the idea is this, you have a conference in real person, like in real life where you gotta rent out a theater and get speakers to come in and all this crap and it's a big job. What this does is it puts it online. So you're, the people that are speaking can pre-record videos and then uh, they have like, so the, the, the software does everything for you so you invite the people they upload their photo and their bio and their video and then like whatever offer they're going to give to the listeners and then if like say they forgot to upload a picture the system automatically emails them they're like hey like it's coming up like don't forget to put your picture in it does all the follow-ups and then from the sign up side people can come and sign up for the conference to learn about the topic and uh and then it'll alert them like hey it's coming up and Okay. Hey, like you can watch it after and you can put a paywall behind. Like if you don't watch it in the first day, but you want to get access to all the talks, you can pay like whatever. So you can monetize it or not. The thing I like about it is you could find speakers who don't like, you're not gonna have to pay to have them speak because they're people that are like kind of like maybe up and coming, but people that maybe people that own businesses 
on the back of influencer marketing. So it'd be the same idea as like a podcast, but like, how did we structurally do it? How do we make it work for our business? What are the things that we learned? Um, what are the things that went right, went wrong? And you could have people do like 20 or 30 minute talks okay. and you could host an online thing that's like a, about use like it, it could be called the, I don't know what it could be called, but the idea could be how to use influencer marketing for your business. And instead of it just being like a single podcast or a blog post, it could be a conference. Okay. And you could do it over one day, have like five or six people speak, maybe even clients or like recognizable people. You'd have to like reach out and get people to come in, but you could market it to business owners. And cause they're, I think there's a layer of education that's missing yep. in your industry. There's a lot, they see what's on the news and they're like, Oh, this girl who got paid all this money. Like she couldn't even sell the 27 t-shirts fucking influencer marketing's bullshit. But if they could hear from other business owners, people that are maybe not industry leaders, leaders, but like up and coming or growing yeah. businesses about how did we actually do it? And what were the pitfalls? How did we get around them? Like what, what made it work for us? and how to like structure it and put that piece of education out for business owners to come and listen to and discover. Um, might be an interesting idea for you guys and put you just kind of put your name on something kind of bigger than a podcast or a blog post. Yeah. You could, you would host it. So I'd have to have these speakers come in. Mm -mm. No, you have them record it on video okay. and then they give you the video ahead of time and the video goes on the platform. Oh shit. And so the talk is pre everything's pre done. And they can actually upload it right into the platform. Yeah. So the platform does everything. So then it sends a note. So someone signs up and they're like, oh, I want to hear the, the, the talk called A, B, and C from these people. So I sign up. I'm a business owner. I want to learn. I sign up. I register for those three talks. And then I get an email like, hey, this talk's coming up in 15 minutes. Don't forget to watch it. And then even if they miss it, you can watch it at, like later. It's an evergreen piece of content. So you could actually just keep driving people to it and leave that leave it up. And have people go in and watch the talks, but then it's branded by you, and it's a, like a huge piece of content that you own, without actually having to like nice. rent anything big or do anything. Yeah. So I'm thinking about doing it. So we work with a lot of, like I was saying, with some some rappers and some whatever. And I think there's a big market for how do I get my audience to a list that I own. I want my I want my people on an email list. So I was thinking about doing a you know, move your audience to an email list summit or I don't know what the fuck I'd call it yet, but have speakers that people would recognize or whatever to them. They don't have to travel. All they do is just record a 30 minute video. They get excited because, hey, I'm speaking. I'm at this thing. They're going to share it with their network. Like, hey, don't don't miss my talk here. Go check it out. Right. Unlike I got featured on a blog or I was on a podcast. It's a bigger thing because it's a conference. So people get really excited to share it and then people get excited to come on it. And it's like an easier yes. Yeah. But people. everything is virtual, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So it's like, um, kind of like a webinar, kind of like a webinar, but you, you obviously want it. Want, it it's more of like an educational talk than a webinar. You don't want the web. I fucking hate webinars. That's yeah. 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 I, I never signed up for those. No, no, but it you know what I mean? Like Dan, Dan Wade sounds like a, like a Dan Locker or Ty Lopez. <laughs> no, no, he's actually good. He's a doctor. He's super fucking smart. Oh, guy. is that right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I really <laughs> nothing against him at all. No, he's he's. He, I've never talked to him, but he seems like a nice. No, a I'm nice just talking dude. shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, it got me, it got me interested because I, I do this podcast because it allows me to put out content to other business owners to see my ideas. And then they might be like, Oh, I like your ideas. I'm going to hire you for something. So that's my like motivation. And because I can't write. So that's how I, this is how I put content out for the business. But the, the, the summit thing got me thinking about like, now I'm like the host of this big thing Yeah, where it's like the platform does so much shit for you already. And I'm like, damn. I could just get like six people to agree and to record a 30 minute talk about their experience or some practical or some tactile method of doing something. And then my email list becomes fucking huge. My top of funnel email list for whether it's consulting or personal brand consulting, whatever it is. Right. But I think you could add to the email list pretty substantially with something like that, especially on such a hot topic. Yeah. It might be, be a bit of work to put together, but I think it builds some really big awareness for you guys. I, I agree. No, that sounds super cool. I mean, I'd have to think about in terms of who I bring as speakers. Yeah. Um, and then see how intricate or user friendly that platform is. To yeah. Build I, out. The, check it. It's Hey Summit. Okay. Is the is the one I'm going to recommend because my friend Ben made it. Uh, I've been using it. Um, it's pretty intuitive. It's pretty straightforward. I'm actually really excited to like now to coordinate it and to put the marketing, that takes effort. But like from the standpoint of like setting the thing up from the logistics side of it, it's very well done. Like automatic reminders for different things and automatic reminders for the speakers. And like the speakers have a a bio, a profile right on the page. And it comes with like a little landing page piece. And it's like pretty done. You just have to upload content. And then in terms of the marketing for it, um, I suppose you'd recommend just, like uh, inbound marketing? Um, yeah, I mean, I think you get the people that come on to post about it, send it out to their email list. Hey, don't don't miss out. I'm going to gotcha. be talking here. They can put it on their social. You put it on your social. Um, I would probably run a little bit of paid Facebook to it, probably to whoever the audience you're running. Because here's the thing, right? If I'm, running a, if I'm running an ad saying, hey, I'm this new marketplace, come sign up you might get people that aren't ready. Yep. That's kind of mid to bottom of the funnel. So depending on what kind of content and, and funnel you're putting them into, this might be front loading the shit out of the top of your funnel. Okay. This could put three or 4,000 people into the top of your funnel in one day rather than gradually building an email list or trying to get them in through yeah. a, blog, a blog post. Like what, like when you're putting out a Facebook ad, if they're not ready for the platform or they don't understand enough about it yet, wouldn't it be great if you gave them the, what's it, what's, how's it working and how do you think about it for your business where it's unbiased. It's not, you need to use my app. It's, Hey, I found these people that know and have been through it who are just like you, who've been through it, who've made it successful, learn from them. Oh, by the way, you can now join our platform because now you, now you're ready to start doing influencer marketing. Right? right. I think it adds to the top of the funnel for you. Yeah. In a way that's easier than and one, then, one-to-one. So the attendees, you would basically market to them through email. Yeah. Afterwards. Or th- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, so whatever that content flow looks like, it, it could just be like some, so you could do it as like a, Hey, that's everyone there. Hey, by the way, like if you know, cause you'll have like, you guys are going to be the sponsor of it or the, so you'll have some content about you anyway. So it'll drive that awareness. Um, and then I, you, I would put them in a sequence of like maybe a couple other helpful pieces and then speckling in the like, Hey, if you're ready, and you want to try it, like try our app because it's going to be easier than going to an agency and them manually looking for people like we're a path of least resistance for you to dabble. And so come try us. And like I said, if it's, if it goes well, you could use that piece as evergreen 
Mm-hmm. You could keep marketing to new people to come and watch it. And then they're top of funnel and they could keep driving. And so you could use that piece as just driving ads continually to that. If yep. you're finding the output at the back end is driving users for you. Nice. Hey, Summit. I'm going to look at that. Yeah. So cool, man. Yeah. I, I just, I didn't even know that these things existed like four weeks ago. Okay. And now I've just been addicted. I'm like, what the hell else can you do with this? <laughs> so we're doing, we're going on for like climate change for this program and stuff. And I was like, it's so easy. Like, so ha- they're trying to get people to become influencers and share content about that. And I was like, just go find five or six people that are influencers. They're going to say yes to being a speaker at an event because it's exciting and it's like good for their brand. Hey, I spoke at this conference. Nobody knows how big it is. It doesn't have to be a 10,000 person fucking venue. To s- it's online. Nobody's going to know how big or small it is. If it looks good and it's good content and you have a couple of good speakers, it probably just blows itself up. Right. In theory, right? I don't, I don't know. I've I mean, is there it. any friction in terms of doing it online and, and the fact that there's probably some inconsistencies in terms of how it's shot or recorded from different speakers? Probably. To an extent, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could try and say, hey, if you could try and shoot against a white background with whatever, but I mean, yes. And I think if you do it for free, you're going to get a bunch of people that, just like in real life events, if it's free, you get thousand people say yes and like 500 show up probably less from the internet but the nice thing i like about the internet is it's not like you have to wait for that content to be taken from the event and then edited then uploaded somewhere you could be like hey i knew you weren't going to show up because you were working today but tonight all this shit's like ready to go and it's just in a place where everything's just ready to go back in and watch it at your leisure I, I, uh, my instinct is that a lot of people don't actually watch it when the talk launches 345 Eastern time on Thursday. Like I'm fucking busy, man. But when I get home at eight or nine and now I'm dicking around, like now I have access to it whenever I want, which is what I like about the online piece. Cause it's a really consolidated grouping of content. Yeah. Whereas a conference is like, did, when did it get video recorded and where, where do people come find it? You can still email them and say, Hey, it's now up on this website. I just like it already being there. Mm-hmm. And then it's repeatable. You can get more people to keep jumping yeah. on. Yeah, but when it comes to marketing, do you think mm-hmm. your potential customers would uh, consume that sort of content? If if it helps them answer a question or it helps them solve a problem that they're interested in, then definitely. Gotcha. Like my my experience with a lot of marketers mm. um, is that they they kind of think they know it all. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and so they're not necessarily looking for new ways or, or even exploring. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a lot of people actually have said that to me about the influencer space. They're like, well, people in the influencer space are all know-it-alls and they right. don't really listen to feedback. Got it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, for me, there's always a market of people and I don't give a shit about the people who don't get it. The people who like don't think Facebook ads work. I don't even want to fucking talk to them. Right. I'm not here to fucking convince anybody, <laughs> but is there like, for me, is there a group of people that business owners that like, so here's my problem, right? If I'm a business owner and I've been, I've, I read about the influencer marketing on different places. I see a Facebook article. I see this. It's all fucking mixed messaging. So now like, where am I coming? Who's the authority on this? Who the fuck am I supposed to believe? And for my, in my opinion on that, if you have five or six credible people and the, the, the content is fairly consistent on like, here's the actual state of the union. 
Like, do sometimes people pay and they get a post that comes down in five seconds and they screw people over? Yeah, it happens. But do you ever pay a info, do you ever pay a fucking Facebook ad marketer who's out of their parents' basement and doesn't know what the fuck they're doing? Of course, it's it's a wild west. The internet's a wild west. Yeah. But I think positioning yourself as like, especially if if the answer to all of these talks, if it's real content marketing, which is what I which is what I do with this, and I encourage everybody, whether I'm suggesting a podcast or ads or doesn't matter, the the first set of ads should never be here's the product, you need to buy this from me. And a lot of people go real half-assed with their content marketing. It's, hey, here's, and, and a, I, you, you've seen it and you just wanna leave the page. You come to this blog on like, hey, here's a step-by-step on how to do this thing. And you're like, awesome. Okay, this makes sense. Step two makes sense, step three makes sense. Oh, I can't do any of this until I buy your fucking product. You're an asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just, people just do it wrong. And I believe strongly if you, help people understand something and the result of that content is never you. You could be, you could be a byproduct of it. Oh, now I'm comfortable with this. Now I'll use it. Now I'll use you. That's okay. That's real content marketing. But anytime it's, here's this great piece behind a paywall or behind an email or behind a blog post and partway through you're selling to me, I'm fucking out. As long as you don't do that, you'll, you will attract the right people and people will like, I think even from the influencer side, there's a lot of people that are super curious. There's a lot of people that aren't, or they think it's a scam and they're never going to change their mind. You're never going to fucking sell them with a Facebook ad anyway, no matter what you do, they're not signing up. So I think there's enough people with a curiosity and would like to be, would like to be informed about like what's actually going on and how this shit actually works from business owners that have done it and have started to make that a part of their marketing. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that speak. Hey, I was fucking afraid too. And it was weird. And this is how we started dabbling. And this is what really worked. And now this is the result from it. And if I can, you can paint that picture for me from business owner to business owner. I'm going to listen to that. Especially if it's like, if it's authentic and it's not to do with, I did it. Oh, but I, the only way I was able to do that was buying this product. Okay, now you've lost me. But if you stick to like real stories about how it's worked, I think it would work. Yeah. No, that sounds pretty straightforward. I mean, it it sounds like it makes sense. We do a lot of content marketing. Um, Definitely not enough. We just don't have the means to create kind of that long form content. Um, Something like we've looked into actually doing podcasts, but it's just too much grunt work and and prep no it's so easy (laughs) i I, i'll share with you my system okay it's so easy okay you go you find the people that you want to have on which to me is business owners that have done it it's the same content as what I'm, i'm recommending for this conference right it's business owners who have done it successfully so they can share their stories that's who that's the content you want to put out right then another business owner hears it oh this guy did it i know that company i'll do it too right that's that's the content so you use upwork and you say, make me a list on Instagram of whatever business owners of this. Go f- find them on LinkedIn. Figure out where they are on Instagram. Is that how you com- found me, bro? Yes. <laughs> uh, or I search by hashtags. Okay. I think I may have found you by hashtags. Okay. Cool. So this is literally what I did to you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll source that. I found you myself. I don't actually outsource it because I'm not looking for that many guests, and I'm I've got a team kind of taking work off my plate, so I want to find the more interesting people. So I get, I find who they are, but I find them on Instagram. Yep. And then I I get them put in a spreadsheet 
uh, on your phone, like a Google Sheets, and I go back and forth from Sheets to Instagram. So I click on the link, it opens the profile in Instagram, I click message, I record a voice message. Yep, I, I send a, that. Yeah, you got mine, right? <laughs> hey, it's Mike, da 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 Works way better than sending notes, like an actual physical message, because you can hear the person's personality and make a judgment on if they seem interesting to talk to versus, hey, da 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 you're reading it. It's so easy to ignore when you're reading it, so I only do voice. So I spend like an hour, and I'll, I'll DM like 50 or 60 people. I'll go through the list. Hey, da 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 Hey, da 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 And then people that come back and say yes, uh, I say, hey, here's like, like a Calendly link or a calendar, Calendly link to talk about it if you're curious or a Calendly link to just book in a time. And then you could do it over the internet, like on a computer, or you can do it like live in a space. Uh, Soho Innovation Labs on the West. Oh, you're not in town. But there's a couple of places that you can go in and actually just shoot podcasts in their nice. space. What I will typically do, I'm doing these ones in the evening now because my girlfriend's out of town. Um, but usually what I'll do is if I have to, I got one, it goes out a week. So on Sunday I'll record four or five in a row and I'll do an entire month worth of content in a day. And then, well, you have to put together the equipment and then you have to have someone edit it after, right? Yes. So, uh, there's a company called Gen M. I know Gen M. Yeah. Yeah. So I got a person on there and we have a, a flow flow chart of what we need. So like it's like examples and pictures and a description of all the things we need. So I send them the full video and then they make all the pieces. Is Gen M legit? It's fucking great. Really? We're, yeah, we're on our second or third person that we've done used on there. Really? It's fantastic. Yeah, super super legit. Yeah, they they got a great thing going. So especially if you've got examples of what you like um, so it's like, we do some where it's like a, a picture of the podcast with like a little wave file. So we'll create like two or three of those, a couple like quote block ones. And then, uh, some stuff for stories some stuff for Instagram TV. Um, they make all that. So every week get another podcast worth of content that all comes in. We get 20 to 30 pieces because we do video. If you just did audio, it'd be less. Um, but if you're on zoom, you're like recording each other. So you can kind of take a little bit from that. Um, and then we, yeah, then we just use it to post. So you have your, your guy on Gen M who knows how to edit videos. So right now I have a, someone on my team that edits, but the reason we shoot from iPhone is that it gives us one consistent stream of video DSLR shut off after 25 minutes. Okay. So we stopped doing that. Cause then you had to like piece it all together. Yeah. So I literally just give him this full video, my audio stream, your audio stream. Uh, the software like matches up the timeline of like when it starts and then we just cut the before and we cut the after and we that's it we're done we don't do anything else gotcha yeah we don't do like there's no like except for when we took a break and i clapped and so he'll see the spike in audio and he'll cut that out and then we just push it together we spend less than an hour editing the full video okay usually 20 minutes that's it yeah and then you just pay the gen m subscription yeah cool yeah because you know i was actually looking into them and and i, I saw some funky reviews yeah, I, I'm sure because like here's the thing, right? As an unpaid intern, it's like you could get someone that just like doesn't give a shit. When we worked with the first person we worked with, they were good, but they were like they didn't know what we wanted, and we did a shit job. Like you ever used Upwork? Yep. And you didn't give them like a really specific direction on it, and you came back and you're like, "This was crap," and you're like, "Oh no, I was garbage. I didn't give them any good direction <laughs> at all." So we have a, a Pages doc with with the dimensions and the number of pieces of content we need of each thing 
and a bunch of examples, like a uh, idea board of like, here's some stuff we've done. Here's some yeah. stuff we like from this person or that person. So use this as like your inspiration. Gotcha. Here's all the software that you need. Here's all the assets in a Google Drive folder. And then it's very easy for them. But you have to you configure it once. So when we're done, I put both audio streams, the video stream. We'll take a couple of pictures. I'll dump that all into Drive. And then they just get access to that with the lookbook of what we need. And then it gets made that way. So if you mm. give good instruction, it can come back no problem. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. So. Yeah, I'm gonna, I guess I'm going to yeah. give, give it another <laughs> opportunity, give it another chance. Yeah. Because, uh, no, I, I think they have a cool platform. Um, I just w- wasn't, was a little skeptical. I called, the, I called the founder before I signed up and chatted with him. Cool. And I got the like, hey, this looks, here's my red flag, here's my this, here's my that. And he talked me off the ledge of it. And then uh, the first, finding the first person took a bit of time because you basically put in like what platforms you need them or skills you need them to have. And then it like finds you some options. So we probably had to talk to like, we probably interviewed 10 people for the first one. And then this person, we kind of like, it was quicker. We stumbled on them pretty fast. Mm. And we have a, a, a pretty big roster. Huge. Yeah, huge roster. The only p- pitfall is like if someone didn't do a good job for someone else, there's no like rating of like how this went for someone else on it. But I think here's the thing. You've hired people. So like you get on the phone for 15 minutes, like you know if they know what the fuck they're talking about. It I, might not be right. perfect, but like you get a sense if someone's just stumbling through pretending they know versus like, oh yeah, I know how to edit photos. And yeah. Edit, right. So you do a phone interview with these folks each. Yeah. Before anybody comes on, it's a, you, that's what they recommend is you interview each person via okay. phone. Yeah. Sweet. I'm yeah. going to take a look at it. So, but, uh, the podcast, man, like, especially if you do it over the internet and you're not doing it in person, it's like, if you get a, like a USB mic, I, I have one that I recommend. I'm actually going to buy it for like, while I'm traveling. So like that, and then the person on the other end, if they schedule it in based on like a Calendly link. So you set your times that that year that you're available. They come on Calendly gives them an email being like, Hey, here's the parameters. Here's everything that's going to happen. And then you just jump on the phone for 30 minutes and then jump off, take that piece of content, dump it into Google drive. Yep. And then a week later, it's all pretty. So that's, that's how we are able to pump out as much as we are. Yeah. Yeah. Just to shift topics for a sec. Sure. Do you use Calendly for all of your uh, appointments yeah. and, and mm-hmm. arranging those? Yep. So I use the Calendly premium so you can have unlimited links. So the links that I use, and I have short codes for them in my phone. So I, I go like INT 10, INT 15. So it pumps up the links. So I use a 10-minute, a 15-minute, and a 20-minute intro call link. Then I have a 10-minute, a 15-minute, and a 30-minute existing client link. So if, if someone's like, hey, can we like jump on the phone to talk? By default, they get a 15-minute link. Okay. That's the maximum number of time that I spend on the phone just because I don't think meetings need to go that long. And people like the proficiency of knowing, okay, we're locked into that. So I have a 10, 15, and 30-minute client link. Then I have a 60-minute, 90-minute, 120-minute paid consulting call. So if people are like want actual consulting, then I will give them that and they can pay right through the link. Um, and then I have my, my podcast one I'm work. I'm actually going to make another podcast one cause I only have an in-person one. And so I'm going to start doing them online where it'll be the, the content will be a bit different, but I use it for everything and new leads. So the new leads get, so if I get a new lead in, I'm like, Hey, this looks like interesting or whatever. Um, schedule a 15 minute intro call with me and then we'll talk about the project. So that's, that's my start on everything. 
is always Calendly. And okay, the thing is, I use like uh, HubSpot meetings. Okay, same same idea as Calendly, and mm-hmm. uh, I just. For some reason, I, I found some friction with asking people to book a meeting. Right. Whereas, like, just emailing them saying, name, give me a few time slots that you're available. Right. Or I'm available between 12 to 3 tomorrow. Let me know what time works. I The way I've gotten around that is I say in it, um, here's my calendar. It will allow you to book a time that works for you. Okay. Make it about, make it about conveniencing them versus you being lazy. Gotcha. Yeah. So just position it that way. Just say, Hey, uh, you're, I'm, I know you're super busy. Um, I'm going to give you this link. It's, it's all my availability. So you can pick a time that works the best for you. Okay. Then they don't give a fuck. Then they're like, Oh, this is so courteous. Not <laughs> this guy doesn't want to set a fucking time with me. Yeah. That's how I got around it. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then what about, um, having Calendly links on a website Mm-mm. too aggressive? It's not too aggressive. I've done it on landing pages yep. for consulting stuff and it's been okay. Um, I don't like people just being able to like pick a time whenever they want. If I don't know who they are. Okay. I like the initial vet. Now it could be like, Hey, if you want to book a demo call or a whatever, you could do it that way. Like if someone wanted to like book a time to talk to someone about the product, you could and just see how much like, the thing I don't like about it is I don't get to like vet who I'm talking to first. Cause if I get a lead in for me, it's different right? as an agency. If I get a lead in that doesn't make any fucking sense for us, I don't want to talk to them for 15 minutes. Well then why would they be signing up for the Calendly link? They wouldn't have the Calendly link. Oh, so, okay. So I, I get it. So the way I do it is I like the quick correspondence. So if, if on my website, very few people fill out the form. Yeah. The way I work is there's a click to call click to text, click to Facebook message, click to WhatsApp, click to WeChat. Oh, that's on the website? On my website. Sick. So I just, I you, I get 90% through uh, WeChat, or not WeChat, sorry, uh, WhatsApp. Yeah, okay. WhatsApp. Like, this guy uses WeChat? I do use it. <laughs> really? So, but, but what most people will do is instead of filling out the form, they click on WhatsApp and they're like, hey, I'm interested in whatever. I'm like, uh, cool, tell me like a little bit, da 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 And then I say, awesome, let's, book a quick intro call at a time that's convenient for you. And then I go I N T one five and then puts the link in the, in the WhatsApp and then they book. What do you mean? I N T one five. Is that a, Calendly that's my thing? short code for Calendly. It, but I use it like my, on my iPhone. It's like, you know, the keyboard replacement stuff. So I use short codes that are full URLs. Oh, so for like, I my, didn't even know you could do that. Yeah. So for like my, my <laughs> podcast link, if someone wanted to like hear it, I have it, it's like hosted on wave. And it has like the picture and the, all the episodes yeah. and all the links. So I just say POD one, and then it puts the wave, like the full URL to it without me typing or, or having to go to a notepad. I didn't know you could do that. Mm-hmm. You can do it with hashtags too. You can do it with like a huge string of stuff and be like podcast hashtags. So where do you enter that short code in the settings or something? In the keyboard. So settings, keyboard, short keys. Dude, that's, so that's so sick. right now there's like there's always like trademark and like yeah. those those ones, but you can do like full URL. And so if I type these letters, it punches that URL into the conversation. Oh sure. So I've got like maybe like twenty of them in there, all my different URLs. Nice. Got to remember what they are sometimes. You're a power <laughs> user, eh? I try. I try. I like for me, I'm like a ten to fifteen minute meeting guy. I, I'm actually working on a piece of content about how you can structure your business working in fifteen minute meeting blocks. Because we work remote, we work with a bunch of clients, we do like really well, and like even my clients are happy to get a 10 minute call with me because they just, it's, there's a comfort level now of like, 
hey, we're going to get exactly what we need with two minutes of small talk of like, hey, what's up? Because, you know, we we're, we, we're, we like our customers. They like us. But like you can small talk and accomplish everything you need in 10 fucking minutes. Yep. So for me, it's like, how do I eliminate back and forth correspondence? So any ways I can do that, I'm all about it. So, yeah, short keys are great. <laughs> oh, I actually didn't know you could do short keys like that. I'm yeah. going to do that. Yeah. So, and you can, they can have, they can be the same on your computer as your yeah. phone. So I do it on both. Nice. Do you do AdWords? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like we, we, we started doing AdWords. Um, we just literally take, take our com- competitors or p- other PR agencies mm. and then uh, use their keywords. It's okay. It, you're going to get. A me- like a medium click-through rate and then the conversions are always so much lower with it though was that right mm-hmm. yeah we do it for like uh telecom companies we do it for charities we do it for uh, custom home building we do a lot of bad words we probably spend about p- probably over forty thousand a month on adwords between all the different platforms so every campaign has a competitors group and the click-through rates will usually be decent, but always the back-end conversion is always a little bit short. Is that right? It's not as strong. It's not as strong. But you have a weird spot where, like, your keywords are not, like, super specific. Yeah. Like, you, like influencer marketplace, you could probably do that. Um, are you super experienced with AdWords? Nope, not okay. at all. Do you, do you know what match type you're using on your keywords? What's oh like uh, specific or yeah, um, we we use a mix to be honest with you. Right, wouldn't be able to name it off the top of the head, but yeah, it, yeah. It's, it, overall it's pretty broad. Got it. That might be hindering okay the performance as well. So if you don't, so there's there's technically three types of match types, but so there's broad which is super open, and then phrase which is the quotes. Yep, and then exact. But when you use broad without parameters uh it can go really fucking crazy in terms of what you're bidding on so what you want to do is go into your keywords and then there's a thing at the top there's three things at the top there's negative which are words you want to block yep which you probably you've said a couple at the beginning and then there's right beside it it's search terms so when you look in your search terms it'll show you what you actually paid for the queries that you actually paid for because they're never the keywords that you bought unless they're exact match or like really really specific um so I would have a look at that. Mm-hmm. What what I would do use instead of broad match is if you put a plus sign before each word in your broad match, it says, okay, I'm going to let you interpret, but it has to have each of those words. Okay. So the difference, be- so the difference between broad and broad modified is broad match is say you said uh, influencer marketing marketplace, right? If you leave it without any symbols, it, it can use any of the individual words right. or any interpretation of those words. So someone could be looking for, for Facebook marketing and you're probably bidding on it because marketing is one of your words. If you put the plus signs, it requires all three of those words to be in the query before it'll bid. Okay. But if you don't do that, that's so most AdWords accounts that we audit are usually if they're if they're just like a hey we just put a bunch of keywords in they're usually wasting between eighty and eighty five percent of their spend right because those parameters are not set properly interesting so I'm happy to take a look at it with you after we're done pop into it yeah um, 
No, we, we stopped doing it for a while because mm. it just wasn't converting. Yeah, that's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> AdWords is like this. They present themselves like, hey, we're like, it's very friendly. Just put in a keyword and put a little budget and like, we'll be fine. They're fucking brutal. The platform is very complicated. Yep. For, like it, it doesn't make it look like it. But when you actually go and dig into the back end of like, I bought what? I was paying for what keyword? Like, it's really bad. They're they're, really, yeah. they're a tough platform. Well, and, and even the actual ad creation, there's so many different parameters. And mm. like with, uh, what are those things called? Like the, when you add phone numbers and like. Yeah, site links. And site links. Call links and yeah. location links. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the weird thing about them is that I fill in as much of it as humanly possible because um, depending on where the ad is positioned at the time, it doesn't have the ability to show each one. Yep. So the, sometimes if you're like in the third ad position, it'll give you the call out will show up, but not any of the site links. And so the more you fill in the better because you want to take up as much real estate as possible on the screen. Um, but it, do, it won't always give you the best option because of the best position. So, so yeah, that's kind of another part of it. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I like it's uh, per, like, cause I do all the marketing. Mm. Um, it's, it's hard for me to kind of, be able to run so many campaigns and also be able to track them. Yep. It's something I'm getting better at. Um, and then at the same time, like we do direct selling too. So mm. like constantly on the phone with people I have to follow up with HubSpot yeah. and, and like a lot of direct emails. Do you, um, but your conversion is app download, not anything on the website or is it? No, it would be on the website for the, the brands, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, we don't, um, we actually don't really bother ourselves with conversions on the influencer side. Got it. Um, at least not yet. Okay. So there's a product you should check out. Uh, it's called call rail. Okay. Yeah. I'm familiar with call rail. Yeah. That would be a good for you to understand where the conversions are coming from in a way more meaningful way. Do you guys use tag manager on the site? Yeah. So what I've done with that is I have event triggers okay, for like any different action that happens. Yep. And so like, so if someone clicks to WhatsApp, it, it has a specific trigger. That's like a WhatsApp inquiry. Yep. And then I can trace that all the way back to anything. The keyword on from Google analytics, the specific Facebook ad that it came from. That's from Google analytics, right? Mm -hmm. Because of tag manager. Yeah. When you set up events, yeah, we have events. Um, they're mostly like certain pages, uh, like pricing pages, mm -hmm. uh, contact forms, yeah, things like like demo request page. Um, and and then, so right now, yeah. do you layer it where it's like if someone goes to the demo request page, it triggers, and then if they submit something, it triggers again as a separate event? No, we don't have those conditional ones. Yeah, you, I would because then you can create audiences based on came to the homepage, came to the demo page, didn't submit the request for a demo, and you could have a specific ad for that person. Where would that ad show? You could remarket to them on Facebook or Google or YouTube or so Instagram. You would do that with, with Pixel Manager. Mm -hmm. Gotcha, so you would have different like uh, events on Facebook and and through the and through so tag and through tag manager yeah so here's what you could do so if i'm a business owner i come in through whatever i come in from i'm on the home page i'm like hmm that looks interesting i go to 
the demo page. So if I go to the demo page, I'm showing a, le a layer of intent. Yep. Why would I go there unless this unless the homepage pull triggered me enough to go there? But if I go there and I don't fill it out, what the fuck? Right? So you could go you could create a video on Facebook of you or a video on YouTube of you being like like hey, you know, uh, or so you could say, "Hey, um, you know, I know, I know a lot of business owners are thinking about using influencer marketing and our platforms really, really great. See what John has to say. And then the second part of the video could be a video testimonial from a customer. That video of you talking and then showing that testimonial showing up to that person who didn't fill out the form on YouTube is way more impactful than just using it as general remarketing. Right. Because they've shown intent, but they didn't complete the process. So you can be aggressive with that person saying you should sign up because look what this other business owner said. And it's contextually right because they've been to the demo page, but they didn't fill out the demo or yeah. the demo form. So you could make content for that person. So as, as a Facebook event, you would have the visit to the demo page, a different um, tag identity or event mm -hmm. than um, if they actually filled it out. Right. Okay. So then it's, 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 the first trigger is landed on website, visited demo page, and exclude people who submitted the demo form. Gotcha. So you pull them out because you people that signed up doesn't make sense to give them the video. But if they stopped, then those people can be talked to in a in a gotcha. more of an aggressive manner of like, don't miss out on this, or here's something to come, have you come talk to us because yeah. of this. Whereas if it's like I came to the homepage and you sent people that, it's like maybe I was there for two seconds. Like, why are you fucking bugging me with this? Yeah, right. We do the latter. Yeah, no, and that's and that's what, that's that is what happens. And so, um, thinking about how to like map it, and it, it sounds like you could go down a million different ways. But what I do, so I, I draw a map of all traffic intent triggers and so uh all traffic no intent trigger has more of a content marketing flow of content and then visited the site showed an intent trigger which is a facebook event or a tag manager event then they can go into like a value prop or a testimonial or a whatever right. funnel so you don't you don't have to make it like it doesn't have to have a million variables it's just like until they show intent don't be aggressive with the marketing if they've shown interest because they're there, or they've read a blog, or they've done this, give them more of that. And then if I come in through the blog and then I go to the demo page, but I don't do it, then put them into the funnel of aggressive. But I have a sales and a content-based funnel of remarketing for that reason. So you just have to have like, in total, uh, including the top level of ads, maybe 10 different pieces of content. And then that, like, that's evergreen forever. You don't have to yeah. do anything else with that. One of the challenges that we have is actually differentiating between influencers and businesses. Because hmm. then you got to, it adds a new layer and you got to split right. your audience and be able to distinguish between the two. But if someone, but if it's like demo for businesses and that landing page has the trigger, then you don't have to. That's true. But you'll see it like, for instance, we have an influencer page. Yep. A lot of time businesses end up on the influencer page. Sure. Because they think it's a list of influencers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so mm. for us to target people on the influencer page, we're actually targeting a lot of businesses. And then business and then influencers will end up on the brands page because they want to see what brands we work with. Got it. And then as a matter of fact, mm -hmm. a lot of influencers, like I think this is kind of our marketing fuck up is they sign up for demos. Uh, and then we'll email them and be like, no, no, you don't need a demo. <laughs> you just go on that shit. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. 
Hmm. Um, and like the, the thing is, Facebook gives you a preset list of events. Mm-hmm. It doesn't let you actually create your own events. You can. Yeah. Can you? Yeah. Okay. You can create custom conversions, which, right. which can fire as events. The same thing. Custom conversions are based on links, though. They're not based on like actions per se. No, I thought you could make. I thought you could customize them. But either way, do you? But there's like there's like fifteen different events. Yeah. So just use the one called X as something else. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Like you kind of have to create a legend. Yeah. So if you don't use the like, if you don't use the lead one. Yep. Then just say okay, lead is gonna be this thing, and just have it fire under a different name. I yeah. guess that might be the only option. I thought you could do it based on different triggers. Maybe that's changed, or maybe I'm just wrong. I'm often just wrong. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Nah, man, uh, you've been very informative, actually. Um, yeah, it's it's tricky because I, I noticed like we we use Pixel Manager, but it doesn't. We can't create our own events. We can create custom conversions, mm-hmm. and those are usually based on on specific links. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so maybe it's just manipulating the events that you're not activating. Exactly. Mm. That's cool. that's what we have to do basically. But I think but I think take yeah, and so what I would do is just take a step back and make those couple other pieces of content and then funnel the just funnel them out a little bit differently cuz I bet you your conversion rate goes way higher on them. And you, there's always going to be crossover where it's going to be to the going to the wrong person, but it's still the best option out of anything else. Right. I don't dwell too much on that, right? Like sending a Facebook ad to someone who's done these three things. Like if they're not the right person, then I don't fucking care. I'm paying $8 CPMs. Whoop-de-sh- like, you know what I mean? Who cares? Yeah. It's not like you're wasting that much targeting the wrong people, but it's true. Um, but yeah, that might be, I think you'll draw, I think you take the conversions up a notch by, by being more aggressive or more content focused based on intent triggers. Yeah. Yeah. I think we need to create more content in general to, to, be able to achieve that yeah i agree but one thing i encourage people on and, and i do f- like we do facebook ad training for like smaller companies and they always say well how am i going to create all like it's literally 10 pieces in total it's it's two sale two top of the funnel sales pieces of content two top of the funnel content marketing pieces of content and then it's uh, it's like three aggressive remarketing and like four of the like other content marketing based stuff and that's it it's like 10 that's all you need and so whether that's like some promo video or some a blog or this summit like whatever those things are um it's unlikely that one person that dumps into your funnel is going to see this content marketing one so many times that they're going to go crazy like especially if you're only spending 30 40 50 bucks a day or less like they're just not going to see it and that, as long as it's evergreen, it's not to do with a specific time and date or season. Um, like you can generally run those ads forever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're right. When it's blo- when it's on a blog, it's time stamped, mm-hmm. which makes it a little bit challenging sometimes, depending on the seasonality. Yeah, just hide the date. <laughs> <That's okay>. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, but I. When you start thinking of all the possibilities, a lot of people are like, shit, we got to create so much stuff. And it is. The more you can create, the more you can niche down and get specific. But like, if you have 10 good pieces, like that's going to give you a really strong funnel until you're spending. If you're spending like 100, 200 bucks a day, 
then you're going to need more content. But like until you're anywhere close to that, like you're not going to run out and you're not going to inundate people so much that it's going to be a problem for you. Yeah. I hear that. Cool. All right. Well, that's uh, I think we've been going for like an hour and a half. So yeah, dude. <laughs> I, was like, oh, I told shit. you, I told you it creeps up like nothing, but uh, anyway, thanks so much for coming no on. Worries, Absolute bro. Pleasure. Likewise, man. All right. Awesome. Cool. Thanks for having me.